Section 25 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Schempf. The Alaska Boundary Survey, Part 3. The Boundary North of Fort Yukon, by J. Henry Turner there is perhaps no portion of the vast territory of alaska so little known as the country stretching northward from fort yukon to the arctic ocean eastward to the international boundary and westward to the headwaters of the kayakuk river simpson and franklin skirted its northern shore allen penetrated into it a short distance and stoney proved the existence of a mountain range trending to the eastward notwithstanding the fact that the summits of lofty mountains are visible in the horizon to the north of fort yukon the impression has long prevailed that the river plains extend to the shores of the frozen ocean this idea has even been advanced by an explorer of note within the last few years travelers have sedulously avoided this region for the obvious reason that the supposed absence of navigable rivers and remoteness of trading posts and other means of communication with the outer world would render it peculiarly unsuited for summer exploration it is believed that certain discoveries made during a journey northward from camp colonna in the spring of eighteen ninety will throw considerable light on the geography of this terra incognita i shall take occasion to revert to this question in closing my remarks Mr. McGrath has already described the river from its mouth to Old Fort Yukon, at which point the two parties separated. On August 3rd, the steamer Yukon, with the Porcupine River Party and its supplies aboard, left Fort Yukon and three days thereafter reached Camp Titman, the then head of navigation, distant 158 miles from the mouth of the river. The time of arrival was unavoidably ill-chosen, as the July droughts had reduced the stream to its lowest summer ebb. Observations placed Camp Titman 39 miles west of the boundary. Captain Peterson refused to tarry, since the river was still falling, as plainly indicated by wet lines along the banks and mudflats, and the danger of being stranded on a sandbar until the following spring was too great a possibility to be overlooked supplies were consequently unloaded with all the expedition possible and the steamer returned to fort yukon had our time of arrival been delayed a week no difficulty whatever would have been experienced in landing the party at the boundary as the river rose rapidly in a few days a whaleboat brought from san francisco and a large unwieldy lighter borrowed from the alaska commercial company were the sole means of transportation at our command lack of time forbids me to enter into a detailed account of the many difficulties and vexatious delays encountered in conveying twenty-five tons of supplies piecemeal sixty miles upstream in the face of a strong current broken into rapids in many places and around banks undermined by the action of the water and fringed with fallen trees many mishaps occurred despite all precautions and serious casualties were often avoided by a mere hair's breadth on one occasion the entire party including several indians narrowly escaped drowning by being drawn into the swirling waters harkert a member of the party had the misfortune to lose the end of one finger while handling a heavy box and polt another of the men had an ankle broken while assisting the men in tracking the heavy lighter upstream 
the indians unfitted by disposition or previous training for such arduous work proved unreliable it was unfortunate too that early in the season an indian while attempting to convey a heavy tow-line across stream in his frail canoe was capsized and drowned the accident led to open hostility on the part of the natives and but for the timely intervention of the hudson bay company's post trader mr firth the consequences might have proved serious several plans to murder the entire party were discussed among the hot-headed younger indians but the wiser counsels of older heads prevailed and as our acquaintance with the natives progressed their mistrust and hostility gave place to friendliness preliminary observations made at rampart house demonstrated the necessity of a further march of thirty-three miles upstream before the boundary would be reached a well-sheltered spot was finally selected in a timbered valley at the mouth of shunagan river and preparations were at once begun to build a comfortable log house for winter quarters the work was often interrupted by snowstorms of frequent occurrence beginning in august ice began to form along the river banks in early september and by the end of october a snowy mantle covered the country and all the streams were fast locked in ice the log cabin and all observatories were ready for occupation by october one the days rapidly shortened as the season progressed and on november sixteen the sun in its course southward disappeared beneath the horizon during the shortest days lamps were extinguished at eleven a m and lighted at one p m by two p m observations upon the stars were perfectly practicable this state of affairs prevailed until january twenty sixth on which date the sun reappeared as the first few feeble rays of the luminary struggled through the frost-laden windows the spirits of the men brightened and rushing forth from the cabin they capered about like madmen in an excess of joy many indians visited our camp during the winter months the best season for travel in this region of soft snow the kind of sled used on the coast is unsuitable and is replaced by a toboggan seven feet long and two feet wide with a large roll in front to fend off the snow the dogs usually four in number are hitched tandem and so close together as to necessitates cutting off their tails no sled dog in the porcupine river country possesses this ornamental appendage for it is amputated early in youth among the coast tribes all the dogs possess large bushy tails which serve the admirable purpose of keeping their noses warm in the cold winter nights no sled trips with the single exception of one to rampart house late in december were made at this time there was no particular necessity for them and no member of the party possessed sufficient enthusiasm to undertake a journey for the pleasure to be derived from it as stated before scarcely a day passed that some indian did not make camp colonna his abiding place until kicked out we found the natives inveterate beggars there was some excuse for this as early in january the stock of provisions at rampart house became exhausted the natives with characteristic improvidence had neglected in the summer to lay up food for the winter and the new year found starvation staring them in the face several hunting parties had gone out to return empty-handed and to report that the deer had migrated southward many indians were reduced to the necessity of subsisting upon moose-skin bags deerskin thongs and old sled covers several old people died of sheer starvation and the outlook grew gloomy timely assistance from the missionary mr wallace 
and a case of flour from camp colonna tided over the emergency until a few deer were secured by an expert hunter who had been permitted to use a winchester rifle from our camp the main food supply of the porcupine river indians consists of fish and reindeer meat in early spring this fare is supplemented by a vegetable diet of wild rhubarb and a root resembling licorice later in the season blueberries raspberries and wild currants are found in abundance salt is never used although we were supplied with an abundance of this article and offered it to the native gratis none seemed to desire this addition to their cooked meat scurvy is unknown in this portion of alaska and the remoteness of the settlements from the civilizing influence of the whites has prevented the introduction of several fatal diseases but scarlet fever nearly depopulated the country many years ago the prevailing distemper now seems to be of a pulmonary nature many natives seemingly in perfect health were suddenly attacked and in a few weeks succumbed to acute pneumonia or galloping consumption medicine is of no avail the doctor who accompanied the expedition administered gallons of physic but if not present to watch the patient the course of treatment was at once discontinued unless beneficial results followed the first dose as several indians treated by the doctor died his influence over them rapidly waned from implicit confidence the natives suddenly reverted to extreme distrust and resumed the rites for curing the sick practiced by their own shamans very little attention is shown the sick we detected the post trader's hunter in the act of devouring some crackers supplied him for his daughter who was sick abed the girl subsequently died doubtless of starvation abandoned to her fate by her unnatural father shortly afterward a young woman in the settlement was taken sick and permitted to slowly starve to death by a sister who subsequently attempted the destruction of her surviving child by tying it to a stake out of doors and leaving it to freeze in the winter night though the indian may evince affection for his children it extends to no other member of the family father and mother brother and sister wife and husband are neglected as soon as sickness overtakes them often abandoned and not seldom expedited into the other world by means of a club in order to save further trouble no instance of infanticide came under my notice during our stay on porcupine river although very common among coast tribes of bering sea and especially at st michael cannibalism is by no means rare a shocking instance of this was reported to us during our stay at rampart house two women running short of provisions killed a man and a boy while asleep and subsisted upon the remains for several weeks though grasping unscrupulous and often dishonest in his dealings with the whites in his own tent the indian is a creature of another stamp his ideas of hospitality are strangely inconsistent with his conduct in other matters the last morsel of food is shared cheerfully with the hungry stranger the warmest place before the fire is assigned for his use and the snuggest corner of the tent is reserved for his sleeping hours in the matter of cleanliness and morality the native is like unto his ancestors no exhortation by the most eloquent missionary can force him to bathe he fears the water like a cat no amount of scriptural teaching can convey to his brain the first glimmering of the meaning of such a word as morality and unless he is permitted to carry with him at all times a plentiful stock of certain insects he considers his usefulness at an end 
it is somewhat singular that a race of beings so degraded and having so little need of a full language should be credited with a vocabulary of twenty thousand words mr wallace the present church of england missionary at rampart house doubtless carried away by enthusiasm assured me that in every respect the native language was far superior to the english tongue while this statement should be taken cum grano solis it is undoubtedly true that the language in question is superior to most of the native tongues in northern alaska commencing at sanati's village the language remains unchanged until peel river is reached it is much to be regretted that the archdeacon macdonald has provided no vocabulary or grammar to accompany his translations of the new testament into the native tongue the various tribes speaking this language are divided into the kuchna kuchin sedatis tribe the nazi kuchin dwellers in the north numbering one hundred fifty or thereabouts residing in the country north of fort yukon and known also as the gen de large the vunta kuchin or lake indians inhabiting the region of the lakes northeast of rampart house the nun kuchin or river indians the Trangit Kuchin, or Black River Indians residing on the river of the same name, and the Tukta tribes, living in the vicinity of La Pierre's house. Excepting the Tukta tribes, the other natives enumerated, numbering perhaps five hundred, trade at Rampart House. In former times, this post was a source of great profit to the Hudson Bay Company, as many black fox skins were brought in by the Natse Kuchin during our ten months residence but two skins of this kind were secured and the yearly total of other furs was correspondingly diminished the greatest bulk of furs is now obtained from the black river country and consists chiefly of black bear and beaver skins eskimos from the northern coast sometimes visit rampart house in order to exchange walrus lines for wolverine skins which are afterwards traded to passing whalers for whiskey or old-fashioned breech-loading winchesters early in march it was decided to take a journey northward along the boundary to the shores of the arctic ocean a request was therefore sent to mr firth at rampart house to provide dried meat for the trip and engaged the services of two reliable natives with sleds and a runner to go ahead this was accordingly done seven men and four sleds of four dogs each left camp on march twenty seventh bound for the arctic ocean two of the indians edward and moses by name had travelled over the proposed route before while engaged in trading with the inuit of the northern coast so no concern was felt on this score the temperature had risen gradually during the previous day and bright skies and sleeping winds indicated that the time was ripe for making the start in addition to the dried meat pemmican and a supply of canned meats with a modicum of alcohol stowed away in the event of snake-bite completed the stock of provisions my sled was loaded with a camera outfit and various instruments for the determination of geographical positions heights etc it was noon when the final preparations were completed and the party started bergman foreman and engelstadt accompanied the party on the first day six miles were made and the party camped for the night in a grove of spruce with dry standing wood conveniently near the mode of camping as practiced by the indians and hunters along the river is as follows a well-sheltered spot is selected in a clump of spruce with abundance of dry wood in the immediate vicinity after unhitching the dogs which is the first proceeding the snowshoes are removed and used as shovels to clear away a space twenty feet square 
and from two and a half to five feet in depth an abundance of green boughs are then scattered evenly over the floor the sides braced by brush and a backrest is secured by laying several sticks lengthwise to a height sufficient to serve as a windbreak a quantity of dry timber is then heaped up on the opposite side and fired skins are spread over the spruce brush on the floor parkas blankets harness etc are hung over the sides and the camp is finished the dogs are fed first after the meat carried for the purpose has been thawed out before the fire during the interval the men in our case at least stayed the pangs of hunger by pieces of pemmican succulent as chips followed by the inevitable pipe a potful of dried meat is then boiled and a large kettle of strong tea brewed pilot bread or flapjacks if procurable complete the bill of fare we had provisions for twelve days but expected to be away for eighteen so it behooved us to watch the larder with a jealous eye early in the morning next day the party followed the windings of the shunagan river and ascended the long slope leading to boundary rock so named from its proximity to the international boundary it was decided to ascend the rock which projects about one hundred feet above the general surface from this elevated point twenty seven hundred feet above the sea and nineteen hundred feet above camp colonna an excellent view was obtained of the surrounding country to the eastward the windings of the porcupine could be traced for miles to the westward a short but bold range of mountains seemingly volcanic cut off the view a bank of fog overhung the river and masses of vapor filled the valleys in various directions there was scarcely enough wind blowing to lift a feather and all looked forward in happy anticipation to a swift and easy journey it was determined to camp for the night in a small valley some few miles to the northward and all haste was made to rejoin the sleds which were on the full gallop and liable to outdistance us a few minutes after overtaking the sleds a sudden roaring assailed our ears a fog bank to the eastward burst asunder and from its recesses issued forth a wind that nearly swept us from our feet clouds of glittering snow filled the air and beat upon us with all the fury of a hailstorm it was only by the most strenuous exertions that we were enabled to reach the sleds which had taken shelter under the lee of a small hill in that brief time the end of my nose one temple and the tip of the right ear were frozen solid and a broad white streak fully an inch wide extending from eye to chin bore evidence of the rapidity with which a man may freeze if the conditions be favorable all expedition possible was necessary to gain the shelter of the friendly trees for the remainder of that day that night and until noon of the following day the shrieking north wind swept over the trackless waste in all the fury of a dakota blizzard traveling was quite out of the question men and dogs huddled together in a promiscuous heap striving to secure protection from the biting blast the next morning everything had changed the sun shone out bright again and the wind had died away during the forenoon we climbed continually up the further side of the valley and about twelve o'clock reached the summit of a pass at an altitude of twenty five hundred feet spread out before us and extending eastward to the furthest horizon appeared a plain covered with a dense growth of spruce birch and cottonwood a veritable oasis in the midst of utter desolation its western limit was a plateau doubtless the northern continuation of the eastern front of the porcupine ramparts 
fifty miles away to the northward a range of low mountains was discerned trending to the eastward and forming the northern boundary of the plain as i afterward discovered they formed the true watershed of northeastern alaska and the country beyond to the mackenzie river it took three days to cross this plain on the first day a tribe of nigalek eskimos were encountered they were fine-looking savages and seemed much surprised to meet white men so far away from the trading posts they broke camp on the following day and started northward for the summer hunt on the arctic we crossed innumerable lakes during the next few days and on the fifth day crossed the mountains at an altitude of three thousand feet the descent on the northern slope was abrupt my burly foreman covered the distance rapidly by sliding down head foremost necessitating various repairs to certain portions of his trousers we found the temperature much lower on the northern side of the mountains ranging from minus twenty degrees to minus fifty degrees fahrenheit i slept in a parka and beneath a deerskin robe in the morning the long hair around the front of the hood was one mass of ice which had to be thawed out before the parka became manageable after descending the mountains the route led through a valley hemmed in by most forbidding-looking mountains running up in jagged spurs to a height of six thousand or eight thousand feet three rivers in this valley run into one which has its outlet near the eastern extremity of the basin a large area was covered with ice the result of overflow but at the outlet the current had worn its way through the ice and the vapor arising from the exposed surface gave the appearance at a distance of a boiling spring this river was followed to the shores of the arctic ocean passing often between towering mountains or through gloomy canyons where the wind howled dismally on the eighteenth day april eighth the ocean was reached a stiff breeze was blowing from the southeast and the mercury registered minus thirty degrees a fire of driftwood was made and shelter was secured under the lee of a snowbank the drifting snow shrouded the horizon until late in the afternoon when the wind ceased and a long line of hummocky ice was revealed skirting the gloomy shore a record of our visit was enclosed in a brass shell some observations were made and early the next day the return trip was begun camp colonna was reached in six days a rapid journey considering the nature of the country the frigid temperature and the depth of the snow although the season was already well advanced and the sun well on its northern journey not the slightest evidence of a thaw could be detected north of the valley of the three rivers the stream which was followed to the ocean was frozen to the bottom objects ten feet beneath the ice being plainly visible through the transparent medium end of section twenty five